squandered your precious gift. You could have ruled the world. And you pissed it away. Have a nice day. The female Anna. She's not for you. What's Anna got to do with this? Hello and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. I'm Heath Lambert. I'm joined once again this episode by Christopher Lambert, not to be confused with Connor McLeod. <laughs> it's not Lambert, it's Lambert. Um, we're here to talk about 2007's Highlander the Source. Now, I want to start off with an apology to last week's movie, My Stepdaughter, which, as we discussed on that episode, was, granted we're only now nine episodes in, the worst movie we had done. And I owe that film huge apology <laughs> because I would sit through my stepdaughter 10 more times before I would even consider watching Highlander the Source again. This thing is I, it, impossibly bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> for a movie made in 2000, we talked about a little bit last week when we got all excited about Highlander. This movie cost $13 million, which I have to assume 12 million of went to bribe the Bulgarian officials where they filmed it at, <laughs> not on the screen. I checked, $13 million is also the budget of Jason X, which while not a good looking film, also a film that looks like shit, was a film that came that was made in 1999. Eight years before this, and still, as bad as that looks, looks better than this. So I don't know where this $13 million went. Certainly wasn't the special effects. Yeah, I, I felt better about it last week when I, when I still thought that this was just a Sci-Fi Channel original movie, which is where I thought, saw it the first time. Knowing now that this got a theatrical release, I, I just, there's no excuse. I mean, that was probably the premiere here, but yeah. clearly made for, because there's F-bombs in it and stuff, like there's stuff that you wouldn't have been able to have on Sci-Fi Channel. Right. So it clearly wasn't made for Sci-Fi Channel. Um, it's directed-ish by Brett Leonard, which was a name I recognized, and I was like, why do I know that name? So I looked up. He directed The Lawnmower Man, which you can debate whether that's a good movie or not, but was a kind of a forerunner in special effects at the time, sort of. Um, Virtuosity, the um, Denzel Washington Hideaway, the Dean Koontz adaptation with Jeff Goldblum and Jeremy Sisto, and the uh, 
the man thing TV movie that was made at some point and no one ever saw, which I've seen, but it's supposed to be wretched. <clears throat> Has to be better than this. Uh, see, and yeah, I honestly I like Virtuosity. I, I watched it a lot when it first came out. I recorded it off like HBO or something, and I was like, oh, it's a pretty good movie. Lawnmower Man, I've never liked. Like like you say, when it first came out, that was like the height of special effects. Which, well, I don't I don't even know if that's true, but it was. Well, com- computer animated effects back then. It was yeah, like, but that I don't know <laughs> because what year did the Lawnmower Man come out? Can I look quick? Just bear in mind that Jurassic Park came out in 1993. So, I don't know that Lawnmower Man was the height of anything. But it was trying something, at least. 1992. So Lawnmower Man came out before Jurassic Park. So, I bet if you watched it again, it does not look so good. But it was interesting, anyway. Which this um, movie is not. No, I feel like we're going to take a lot of detours like this where we'll talk about anything other than Highlander the Stars because I can't imagine... Again, I didn't. I haven't seen Highlander Endgame. Um, I'd seen one through three, never watched the show, and I didn't watch Highlander Endgame because I was like, oh, it's like a, partially a spinoff of the show. It's the passing of the torch so I won't know what's going on, so I'm not going to bother watching it. So I certainly hadn't seen this one. I can't imagine, because Highlander the Source came out in 2007. Or not the uh, end game, I mean. Yeah, 2001, or 2000. 2000 or 2001. Yeah. So they sat for seven years and then decided that wasn't a good enough sign off that wasn't a good enough ending we need to go to this well one more time this can't be the satisfactory ending no James, uh, i don't know if that was a better like oh this is a nice rounding out conclusion to the highlander saga it, it wasn't great but it definitely was a better ending than this and like but i i do if you don't mind if you'll indulge me i would like to talk about the franchise as a whole before we get into this movie just a little bit yeah we can do that in case we've got people that have never watched a highlander movie but uh yeah i the first one i will go on record saying good movie yep i like it it's considered by many to be a classic and it's it's good it stands on its own it was meant to stand on its own clearly well, that's the thing, and we talked about it a little bit last week, is that it ends with the whole premise is you have these immortals, they fight until there's only one left alive, he's the winner of the prize, this indes- indefinable prize, like the indefinable source, and that's it. And then two is this weird... The problem is... The second it stopped being a fantasy series and became a sci-fi series, you fucked up. Yeah. 
like immortals who fight each other with swords, that's not a sci-fi concept, that's a fantasy concept. And then two came along and there's aliens from another planet and there's fucking crazy like Yeah. I and I I don't know why they did that. And that's if I remember right, it's been a while since I've watched the original the theatrical cut of two. But yeah, in the in the theatrical cut they explain how it's not like this mystical power source. They're from another planet. And somehow, once they come to Earth, they've completely forgotten that and don't know where their powers come from. And then when they when they release the, what they call the Renegade cut, the director's cut, which is the one I own, they kind of just shoved all that back out of the movie. They're like, nope, forget that. Don't worry about that. Which is the right call. Yes. <laughs> and then, but so... I don't know I don't know about Endgame, but the source is right back into sci fi bullshit again. Yeah, um see they yeah, Endgame didn't have much of that. Like three was okay, well first of all I want to talk about the fact that they always yeah. have to they always have to um uh, what's the backing up Right. Um I can't think of the word, but um, where they, yeah, they have to backpedal because in the second one they they have the bad guy show up from like another dimension. So now there's another immortal on Earth. So the contest begins again, and he has to kill him and get the the prize again. Then the third one, it's Mario Van Peebles, and he's been like trapped in a cave. Yes, he's right. But here's they, the thing. You shouldn't be able to trick the source. Right. The prize. Like, it's fine if Connor McLeod thinks he's the last one, but he shouldn't have gotten the prize if there's another one on Earth who was just, like, out of sight, and the source, the magic mojo went, I guess he's the last one. <laughs> right. The magic knows. The magic should not be fooled by the fact that you were hiding in a cave. Like, you're either right. the last one or you're not, and that's it. Yeah. And then... After that, you get the series, which ignores everything. Like, you, you get in the first episode, there was like a two-part pilot, or two-hour pilot, where Christopher Lambert shows up and visits his cousin, Connor McCloud, who shouldn't exist. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> there's never been a mention of him. He's supposed to be the last immortal, but he just has a, cous a cousin who's also an immortal, and there are hundreds of other immortals out there because Connor has to have somebody to fight every week. So it makes no sense with the movies. And then after that, uh, that ended in 98, I think, which I did see a bit of it. I'm not like, I didn't watch a ton of it, but I watched enough of, of it to know like who Joe and Mathos were when this movie came along. And they are also in Endgame, which came out in, like you said, 2000, 2001. Okay. And they, so they, for that, they bring back Connor, and it's him and Duncan fighting this, like, religious zealot within the Immortals and his band of bad guys. And he's just decided to ignore all the rules, which there are rules. I'm not going to freaking get into that, but there's stuff like you can't fight on holy ground and things like that. But anyway, he's a super bad guy. And so Connor 
and Duncan have to one by one go through his minions to get to him. And in the end, they decide he's too powerful for either one of them to beat on their own. So Connor tricks Duncan into, or not tricks him into, but forces him into a duel, makes him kill him, makes Duncan kill Connor so that he absorbs all his power. And now he has enough power to fight this big bad guy. He wins, and now Duncan is supposedly the last immortal. Well, except, well, no, for, I, no, except for his buddies, I, Mythos yeah, and Yeah, no, you're right. I take else. that back. I take that back. He does not win the prize because Mythos is still out there and all these other guys. But So that was the real like passing of the torch from the movies to the, cause yes. the TV show was over as well. Yeah. So it was sort of just fan service to people who were fans of the show that wasn't on anymore. And the spinoff of that, The Raven, wasn't on anymore either. No. Yeah. It was passing on, like, okay, Christopher Lambert's out. Um, Adrian Paul is, is our guy now. And then they didn't do anything with it for six years, and then they made this. But Which, again, like I said, that should have been a perfect wrap-up. Just leave it at the end of Endgame. It wasn't a great movie, but it should have been the end. We didn't need anything else. But the first one should have been the end. <laughs> right. Well, no. Is that yeah. any time, it's just like the, and I understand what a franchise is, like I get it, but then stop write, stop writing yourself into a corner immediately that you have to then a couple <laughs> years later write yourself out of. It's the same way, I've always liked Freddy over Jason for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons is Freddy dies at the end of every movie. And they always come, he always comes back, but they always at least attempt. Even if it's a stupid explanation, there's an explanation for why he's back. Whereas Jason, no, it, it's just, <laughs> we killed him. Oh, he got struck by lightning. I guess he's better. And sometimes not even that. Sometimes it's just, he's still here, you know? So mm -hmm. if you know you're going to make another one, <laughs> and with Highlander, they didn't. That's the thing. They made Highlander. I don't think they had any plans of a Highlander 2, 3, 4 when they made Highlander 1. It was a cool, complete story by itself. And anything you do after that, because of what you've done at the end of that movie, makes no sense. Yeah. And they clearly knew it when they made 2, because it is, it is bananas, start to finish. It's just such a right turn from, again, It's it should be a fantasy thing, not a sci-fi thing. And as soon as you changed genres, you messed it up. And you want to get, you want to feel really depressed. Highlander, the source, this film, film, movie, was supposed to be directed by Russell Malaki, who did, or Malaki, I don't know how you say it, but who did Highlander 1 and 2. He wanted to do a prequel that was like back when there was a bunch that's the way to do it back when there was a bunch of immortals if you want to keep showing these guys right. back and show there's adventures back when there were thousands of them not when there's only supposed to be one that's what he wanted to do and they didn't want to do that so he left and now we got stuck with this thing <laughs> that would have been better it couldn't have been worse no For many, many reasons that we will get into. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, we got to get into this sooner or later. So, <laughs> Sorry. so 
we start with narration by um, it's the woman, whatever her name is. Anna, yes. Anna, yes. Who was not his love interest in the television show, is my understanding. No, she came along somewhere in between Endgame and this. Like They made her up for this. Okay. And she's talking about how like it's a post-apocalyptic world, and there's and I quote, no law, no order. And immediately upon her saying there's no law, what comes on screen, Christopher? A freaking cop car. With a cop car sirens. with lights and sirens going, <laughs> driving down the street in this world of no law and no order. <laughs> you didn't make it four seconds. <laughs> Yourself. Unless it's just like one guy who stole a police car and he's just driving, he's doing donuts around. But no, like, we don't see him stop and like arrest anybody. But there's twice during this narration where there's no law and no order and everything's chaos. We see this cop car with lights and sirens driving. Yeah. And from what I see in the rest of the film, it seems like there's like two places where things are in chaos. Everywhere, every place else kind of seems fine. Yeah, I guess we don't see too much outside of wherever Reggie and um, uh, Mythos and Giovanni are, but so maybe they're like hiding in their whatever bunkers they're in, but they just don't seem to have any. Well, no, because there's a there's the scene later on when they all decide to go on this quest, and they show Mythos and Giovanni and Reggie like gearing up. And, like, Mythos gets on a motorcycle and drives through a populated city where there's, like, cars and people walking around, and it just looks like normal London town. But the city where Duncan lives is in chaos, and this one little island they go to later with the cannibals is in chaos, and that seems like it's about it. Cannibal Island. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's like like they went to Bulgaria, and Bulgaria fell apart, and they didn't bother to, like, (laughs) they just assumed. Like a like a Japanese soldier at the end of World War Two who's hiding and he doesn't know the war is over. <laughs> like, just... Yeah, Duncan hangs out on cathedral roofs for no reason. And Batman. And he's watching for like it's he's just up there listening and there's a woman getting attacked, so he jumps down and saves her. Oh god. Well what else is in this narration? There's a planetary alignment. I'm not not since the heady days of the Dark Crystal have I had a planetary alignment on the show. <laughs> um, where, yeah, the, well, I guess that's not, we don't get that from her. We get that from Reggie. Mythos, yeah. Mythos, Reggie, and Giovanni, who looks like if one of the Volturi from Twilight fucked Albert Wesker <laughs> from Resident Evil and made a baby, he would look like this. Like, he's the most ridiculous looking and they're all standing in front of the shittiest green screen computer background. Like, you couldn't find an actual church to film this in. He's standing in front of a, a terrible CGI background church. And they've got yeah. all over in there. So there's this whole network of the immortals that are left. And they're very concerned because this planetary alignment is going to happen. And it's maybe the source but again the yeah. guys in the source we don't know what this shit even is 
Yeah, see, and this is another retcon. That's the word I was trying to come up with earlier. Retcon. Now, they're not from another dimension. They're not aliens. The source of their power is cosmic radiation that's shooting down through this planetary alignment in like four days, and it's going to hit a certain spot on the Earth, and if they're there, they get to access the source. Jesus. Yeah. And all of this looks like like the flying toaster screensaver from back in the young kids won't remember this, but back in the days of early, like back computers, there was the flying toaster screens. I mean, it looks like that. Like, it's like PS2 cutscene graphics. Yeah. And again, I don't know where this $13 million went. <laughs> Certainly uh, didn't go to the fight sequences, I can tell you that. Jesus Christ, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so they're concerned about that. Anna is hearing voices for some reason. We never understand what Anna's connection to any of this is, other than maybe because an immortal used to have, her and an immortal used to have sex so maybe it's a sexually transmitted disease this immortality i don't know it, it's explained away later by her just basically looking in, at duncan and going well did you just think this was all a coincidence that's it they just say this isn't a coincidence and that's it that's their explanation and especially since this, this isn't the wife he had originally this isn't his love interest from the seasons of tv shows this is a girl we've just met but apparently they're soulmates and they've broken up because she wants a child that he cannot give her because one of the deals with the immortals is they cannot procreate right magically infertile so they've broken up because of that but now she's hearing voices and she's looking for duncan there's another immortal in the city Whose name is what? Saiji? Saiji, yes. Or Saiji, I guess. And he's word. looking for a book. He's way ahead in this investigation of everybody else. He's looking for write the book or whatever that will lead him to Well he's he's found that. Lido or whatever the hell they're called. <laughs> <laughs> he uh he's he's coming back to like his base of operations which is in the city Duncan's in to pass word along to the network he like which I I don't understand this scene because he like he runs into what looks like an abandoned building he has to break a chain off the door he gets inside and there's a security guard sitting there watching TV yeah but the fact that he uses this building to get on the network makes me think that this is like his building but the security guard sees him and he's like, whoa, whoa, stop, stop, and holds up his hands. The dude just pulls out his gun and shoots him seven times without any kind of, like, well, explanation. I mean, there's no law. It's chaos. <laughs> well, then why do you have security guards? <laughs> yeah, why isn't this building abandoned? What is in this building? Because we don't know. What is in this building that is still being protected from the looters outside? How has it survived so far? Yeah, this guard shoots him full of holes and he falls in the elevator and i assume this scene is here so that we can see kind of one of the cool things about the highlander immortals is that it's not like they get hurt and they like wolverine heal fast they actually die 
and then just like 30 seconds later wake back up as if nothing happened that's kind of a cool different take on yeah. you know because it's not quick healing they're not invulnerable they can die they die often they just always come back yeah unless you take their head off um so I assume this scene is here just so we can see a demonstration of because he's get, he gets all shot up, falls into the elevator, and the elevator goes up on its own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to, to the floor he wants to go to because he has not pushed the button yet. Right. Not before he gets into the elevator. Um, so that we can see him when the elevator arrives at the exact floor he wanted to get to, waking up and like, oh, God, I hate that part, but I'm alive again, so it's great. Meanwhile, this guard does no further investigation <laughs> you just shot a man three or four times he fell into an elevator the elevator went up and you just go back to watching tv <laughs> he doesn't call for backup he doesn't go over to the elevator to check it out nothing he <laughs> continues sitting in the lobby for no reason Yeah, and so he gets up to the, what I'm assuming is the penthouse. He wrecks the elevator control so nobody can well, follow him up. Hang on. He stabs the button. <laughs> well, that oh, works in every movie, he goes though. outside the elevator and stabs the button you would use to call the elevator, which apparently disables the entire elevator apparatus. Because now the guard, if the guard. The guard's not coming to check on him, but if he did, he wouldn't be able to use the elevator anymore because he stabbed the button. Because that's how things work. <laughs> yeah, and there's this computer note up there that he uses to contact the rest of the network, um, which the one of the many super, super cheesy nods to the rest of the series that happens in this movie is the it's an audible password, and it's there can be only one. And it connects him, and I got to admit, that's the least cheesy of the nods that happens, but I still felt it was a little cheesy. Oh, we're going to talk about the fucking music in this movie <laughs> yes. later on. Yes, we are. The, I mean, obviously, someone in Queen had this... Queen did the original soundtrack for Highlander 1, and there are some great songs on there. Princess of the Universe, and... Shit, what else? <laughs> I forgot. Who wants to live forever? Yes, who wants to live forever? And those songs are a constantly referenced during this movie, like lyrically, people just saying lines from them. <laughs> also, tremendously bad cover versions of these songs. Yes. So, but someone in Queen must had to have signed off on this. Like sight unseen, like oh yeah, the Highlander guys, we remember you. You're good boys. Here's some, you. You can you can't use our songs, but you have the right to do. We'll let you do covers of them. They should have read the fine print or something because. <laughs> woof. Yeah, we'll get. We're not going to insist you hire actual musicians to do it, but. Oh, that's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. Um. Okay, so and he's calling the network to tell them what? That he he's just come back from this mission he was on. He followed the, the writings that he deciphered in some book that he had to some place in, in Middle Europe to uh, this um, 
this monastery, this order of monks who know about the source. And he, he gets to basically where the source is going to be. And this guy named the Guardian showed up and like chased him off. Unbeknownst to him, that the Guardian followed him, which we'll find out in a moment. But yeah, he's basically saying, I know where the source is. It's in this place. And he pulls out a map, which is shot full of holes and covered in blood and completely useless because it was in his pocket when he got drilled by yeah. seven bullets. Which would be, which could be a funny moment if this movie had any actors worth of shit was shot by on, on any level of competence like that could have been a funny reveal a funny moment but there's no I mean I guess Adrian Paul isn't like terrible he's a, I mean a decent enough TV actor I guess but yeah. you know the transition to lead of a movie is maybe not going to be his strong suit but if we're gonna talk about performances, we gotta talk about this guardian. Number one, looks like a monster from Silent Hill came to the real world and joined a Slipknot cover band. <laughs> but, but like a, at, at Chuck E. Cheese, like he looks like garbage. Yes. Yeah, pale skin. He kind of almost looks like John Cena kind of a little bit. I thought <laughs> he's got and he's got this big, cool, like or not cool, but he's got like um, not dreadlocks, but like these weird whip things on his head, and he's got a big cone neck protector that covers, you know, protects protect your neck from um, so he can't get his head cut off. Uh, yeah. he can run really fast by which we mean someone used After Effects to, <laughs> to still up this man and move it across the screen um, he <laughs> kills the security guard I guess takes the stairs because the elevator doesn't work somehow gets upstairs and they have a big fight what is this performance what is this I'm going to play some clips at the beginning of the episode of this, the Guardian's delivery of dialogue. So when you hear that, dear listener, that thing you heard, that you didn't know what the hell that was, but you felt a, a sinking feeling in your soul, this, <laughs> it's the Guardian. He took... Well, and the weird thing is, is the first scene where he's fighting Saiji is not a bad scene because he doesn't say a damn word and if they kept it that way it would have been fine because he would have been kind of intimidating and oh, it's also, still a bad scene because they rather than choreograph a sword fight they have them doing just <laughs> the most basic sword things and then speed ramping the entire thing the speed ramping in this entire movie is out of fucking control. <laughs> they speed everything up to make it look like people are moving supernaturally fast, but it just looks like I hit fast forward on the thing. Like, it doesn't look... Right. 
It's preposterous looking. And that's what this entire fight is. That's what all the fights, particularly the one at the end, but that's what all the fights are. And he's, he throws them through tables and they're fly, jumping around and flying around, but it's all, it's either all slow-mo or all super sped up. Because if you show it to us at regular speed, we'll go, oh, well, those guys are, like, that's bullshit. Like, those guys aren't even <laughs> coming close to touching. So, like, it's because we can't be bothered to hire a decent sword fight choreographer. Well, and one thing I wanted to mention is that, like, I actually thought the the metal collar thing that comes up to, like, his nose and around his ears and stuff and just leaves the top of his head exposed was a pretty good idea as far as the immortals go because then you can't decapitate him. But this is the only scene in the movie where he uses it. Every yeah. other fight in the movie, it's gone. It's It doesn't exist. Yes. Which is stupid. Yeah. And it also, not that he looked that cool, because he's in all, like, leather and, like, again, he looks like a Slipknot guy. Like, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's wearing a leather corset. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. But, yeah, then he, it's, he has it in this fight, and then none of the other fights keep that shit. <laughs> Why would you, I mean, this building there, this tower or whatever they're in winds up exploding. So maybe he lost it in the explosion, but you go find it. Like, especially you get too fast, it's not going to take you very long to dig through the rubble and find... You're going to need that. You're going up against people whose entire thing is to cut your head off. Yeah. Don't you want to look cool the whole movie instead of looking like a pasty fucking John Cena? Like, like he's chalk white. Like. Well, and I, and I like to think that if he'd kept it, he never would have said a word. And I would have loved this movie so much more. Yeah. I have <laughs> what a lost opportunity. <laughs> The very next scene, Duncan is just happens to be driving by when this tower explodes, and so he runs into the rugged or the rubble, and here's this dude is, and yeah, the dialogue that they wrote for him and the performance that they chose to give him. That they That's the thing. It's him. the combination of the two. It's not just what he has to say or how he's choosing to say it. It's both the things put together. It's outrageous. It's like I said, I'm going to play examples because I'm not even going to try to do an imitation of it because it's so bonkers. Well, and I think the, what it seemed like to me, because I mean, the Kurgan was kind of over the top in the first movie, but he was cool. And also and then, 1982 or four or whatever, you know, it's like a little bit cheese. Yeah. And then Michael Ironside, whatever his name was in the second movie, was a little more weird. And Mario and Peebles' performance was just kind of insane. And then the, the bad guy in, in Endgame was kind of like this guy, but like dialed back, like three or four notches. And so it was like they were, they were trying to top all the other bad guys from this franchise, just how stupid and crazy he could sound. Well, and also bear in mind that the Kurgan in the first movie, as you mentioned, is played by Clancy Brown. Right. Who is a great actor. Yeah. This, the Guardian, is played by some nobody. 
Sorry if you're listening, nobody, but I don't know who the fuck you are. And there's a reason for that, because you were <laughs> tremendously terrible. Like, I'm sorry, I didn't bother to look through your IMDb to see if you've been in other things. I'm sure you have, but I don't... I wouldn't hire this man to do... <laughs> it's... Yeah, you'll... I'll probably play clips of him talking at the end of the episode, too. Just because I can't... I cannot express to you how fucking crazy this performance is. Yeah, it's... It's schizophrenic. It's all over the place. He... he does like four different accents his voice goes up it drops down it just it's all over the freaking map and i think we're supposed to be like wow that guy's crazy yeah but he, he'll like come in like almost like singing yes i don't even again i want to try to do an imitation of it but a i don't remember it that well because goddamn i've been watching it again to get this imitation down and two it'd be easier to just Play clips of it, but it's and at some point, at one point, I don't remember if it's here or later on, he's singing the fucking Queen song. Right, yeah, that's a little bit later, but yeah. Which is not diegetic, like it's not Yeah. The Queen made songs for the Highlander movie, the soundtrack for the Highlander movie, but those songs don't exist in the world of Highlander. Right. Is this dude Deadpool? Does he know he's in a movie? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, yeah, it made no sense. And it pulled, like, if I was ever even remotely able to be in this movie, it pulled me right out. Yeah, it's definitely, well, it's not the first sign of trouble. The first sign of trouble is seeing these, the rooms that Mythos and Reg and are in these CGI rooms that they're in. Not even I mean, CGI is selling it pretty high. Um, it's like a wallpaper background that they're standing in front of. Yeah. I think so they did. Oh, man. Yeah. And so. He's getting beat up by the Guardian, and he's saved by Joe, who I'm guessing is from the TV show. Yeah, he was in... drives up, hits the Guardian with his car, tells Duncan to jump in, and they take off. He says he's the he's he's Duncan's watcher, like he's buff yeah. fucking vampire slayer. What? A, yeah, is this a thing from the show? Do you know? Yeah, that's something they introduced in the show. There's this society of watchers that both like kind of tracks the movements of immortals and at the same time kind of protects the world from the immortals if they get out of hand and they, but the thing is is they so they they're like this, OSHA <laughs> for immortals they supposedly have this this code of non-interference which is complete bullshit because Joe breaks it every week on the TV series from what I saw just like the watcher it, yeah. in the Marvel Universe Right, he does it. Or at least, at least Uatu. Anyway, he's the one. Who, <laughs> I can't just watch this. I have to. He does it in Endgame, and he does it in this movie. So I, the code means nothing. But well, he's no, he's this. no, he's no Rupert Giles. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and but, I, but, but for what purpose? Like, is this something that the Immortals have set up to police themselves? I don't think so. I think they or, started... Or does the rest the of the world know these immortals exist and went, we have to 
make an organization clandestine organizations if you cannot like yeah i don't know it's either the immortals set this up because they can't be trusted themselves to handle their own shit but then what do they do what do you what consequences are there well i know council do if eight immortals get together and decide they're going to take over detroit what are you going to do about it yeah, they they did get into that a bit in Endgame, as I remember. There was this, like, like they will show up and like fill them full of holes and drag them away until they come alive again. And then they're in a jail cell or whatever. And there was this place in Endgame called the Sanctuary, where that was run by the Watchers and like Connor at one point, according to this movie, like many others before him, decided he was tired of the of eternity he was tired of the killing and the game and so they put they put him in like this isolation thing where they've got like these helmets covering their faces so they can't see or hear anything and they're strapped to tables and they just sit there for decades so that's part the of the phantom zone kind of yeah but they do it to themselves okay <laughs> well well then here and then i have another question i knew you knew more you might not have watched it much as I thought you did, but you know more about this shit than I do. Yeah. And again, I love that first Highlander movie. It's great, but do you, everybody do yourself a favor. Watch that one and then pretend like that was the only one. <laughs> do, do, will these immortals die if their head gets cut off for any reason or only... Like, obviously, if there isn't another Highlander there taking their head off for them to then absorb their power... Let's say a how immortal is driving along, and Final Destination style, a log comes off the back of a truck and takes his fucking head off. <laughs> Does it still count? Do all the other immortals like suddenly perk up, like ooh, 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 one of us is gone? I don't know. Does it only count if? See, I'm. Just, yeah. I would hope that the TV show got into that a little something at that point, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, man. Let's see. What do I have here? Let's speed ramping. Probably <laughs> a lot of stuff. They're in a world with apparently no airplanes. Yeah. No. Nobody flies because anywhere. These, Mythos, in particular, appears to be quite wealthy. Could probably afford to charter the team assembles. Who, who, who cares? <laughs> Reggie and Giovanni and Anna and Duncan all get together, and they're going to go find this mo- this monastery where the elder is. Brothers of Toluca Lake, whatever the fuck they're called. It starts with the T, ends with the whole, I don't remember. Danello? Tinello? Whatever. Um, they're going to go finish the journey that the Saiji started. Saiji, yes. Tried, was trying to do. Um, they drive there and take boats. Now, I know this guy can afford put them on a plane. So I'm guessing planes just aren't a thing anymore. Or the screenwriters needed a road trip. <laughs> that takes a while. <laughs> but there's no like they could have flown there instead of driving for days and taking boats to Cannibal Island and all this bullshit. <clears throat> um, 
See, I'm having trouble even. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so they go to this monastery, and they all just kind of arrive separately, and, oh, hey, you know, and they show up, and Anna kind of just, like, sneaks in, in the back. Like, they don't know she's there until they see her, like, climbing up a wall and through a window. And he's like, oh, crap, that's my wife. And, the, like, the monks wouldn't let them in, but they see her climbing through the window, so he just drives his truck through the front door and just barrels through the wall, and the monks are like, oh, well, now that she's here, the elder will see you, because he knows that she's been having these visions or whatever. And the elder... Uh, he looks like he's growing out of a giant slime mold... Or on a rock or something? He reminds me of, he's not quite as ugly as this, but he reminds me of in Blade when they go see that fat vampire. Yes. Like who's just immobilized by how fat he is. He's kind of like that. Like his upper half is sort of like, okay, but his legs are sort of just like a big, I don't know if he's turning into roots or stone or a blob or what, but he's stationary. He's stuck in this chair that he's in. He seems really miserable. He goes off on this long flashback about he was one of the first immortals on the surface of Mars, where <laughs> everything's red. They're in a desert where every, the sun is red, the sky is red, the, everything is red, because they just put a red filter in front of the camera, and that was <laughs> calling it a day. But it's him and a couple of his buddies, and who turns out to be, well, anyway, they get to this altar the first time the source or one of the times the alignment was happening obviously not the first one I don't, know. I don't know. the idea that I gathered from this nonsense is that the first time the alignment happened is when the earth was cascaded with its energy and that's what the immortals came from yeah that's what I got but they're already immortals who are on their way so it's happened apparently a number of times it must happen before if they're immortals. Now they're going there to the next alignment, which was still a million years ago or however long before civilization. And they get, they fight amongst themselves along the way and have to kill some of their own until there's just like the three of them left. Um, and there's a guardian there who's guarding. What is what is? any of this what is this <laughs> I, I don't it's a planetary alignment that is shooting radiation at the earth but it is also intelligent intelligent enough to have a built to it to station a guardian there but if your purpose is for these immortals to come to you and by you I mean the source which is the person or whatever their goal is, why put a guard in there? Why are you making it harder for it? It's like it's a test? Yeah, actually, I, I think towards the end they do say that. They, I mean, it's like a reveal at the end, but it's like it's a test. If you get there yeah, and that, you yeah, they, they that. pass the test, you get a gift from the source. Which, and we'll, yeah. Great, we'll talk about that. But, <laughs> but, what, is, but what is the source? Is it odd? Or a god well, that's what, be something like that. Because that's what Giovanni thinks. It has a but. point. Yeah, let's talk about Giovanni. But except Giovanni is very Christian. 
Yeah. Which I don't know how you could be an immortal. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> how can you justify in your own mind, you're an immortal, you know you're an immortal, you've been here for thousands and thousands of years, you know a bunch of other immortals, you know that if you cut each other's heads off, you're imbued with energy from each other from somewhere out in the cosmos, how can you be, I can see believing in a god, I would think the source would be your god, but how can you be a Christian? When the Bible tells you there's one guy who's immortal, except for that three days he wasn't, never mind that, and all this other, you know, knowing what you know as an immortal, the first thing you should do is tear the Bible into pieces and go, well, I'm done with that. You were alive before the Bible was written. Right? Yeah, in fact, at some point in the movie, Mythos says to Giovanni, I hung out with Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Right? So how yeah. can you possibly be a Christian when you were there? <laughs> it's, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. I'm s- s- jumping around. Yeah. So, yeah, while they're in there talking to the elder, Reggie and Joe are outside, like, packing equipment and stuff, and he gets, like, a vibe. Reggie gets a vibe that something's out there so he goes out to figure out what it is and it's the guardian he's tracked them there and they're they have the scene where they're in a graveyard and yeah he starts singing who wants to live forever and it's like (sighs) and again you cannot the queen's songs about the highlander movies cannot exist in the highlander movies right that would be like if I guess this is a little more extreme example, but if in Star Wars Episode Two they were riding around on a ship listening to the Weird Al song about the Phantom Menace, <laughs> no, that's a perfect. You know what I mean? Comparison. <laughs> but actually, let's back up. I hate to say this, but let's back up a second. Back to that flashback that the Elder is explaining to. Them. Oh yeah, yeah. Learn is that the Guardian is there was the Guardian there, and he was he. His buddy, who's how do we the three that are left? Um, the woman. What happens? Does she go into the source or get evaporated by the source? They never say. Turned into whatever he gets turned into, and then I guess someone carried him off to this. Well, they say he says that he was cursed when he left the source. He he might have just turned into a blob over time. I don't I know. Suppose. But his other buddy becomes the new Guardian. And that's the Guardian that we have now in this movie who defeated the Guardian that was there. But the curse of that is that he's now stuck being the new Guardian. Right. And again, the woman is with him. I don't know what what happened with her. They don't say. They show her, like, standing in the light, and then the story ends, and they don't tell you what happens to her. And it never comes up again, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> The, the the main the main takeaway from the story is that the guardian that we're seeing now that is hunting them down is one of the original immortals. Right. Supposed to be guarding that place at the source, not running around chasing these people down. He's supposed to wait there for them to come to him. Right. So why has he left his post? Why now? Because the alignment's coming up? I suppose. But the yeah. last wasn't fucking around. He was standing there waiting for them to come. 
I don't know. It's all it, rubbish. And from his dialogue in his first scene, it seemed like he was just there to like taunt Duncan and be like, eh, your life's been a waste. You suck. Like that's, that's all he does. And then he starts, he just follows him around after that. Yeah. And he, well, I know we, and we also learn now conveniently that the closer you get to the source, which is the thing that's supposed to make you more powerful, in fact, makes you weaker and your immortality goes away the closer you get. Right. So which, which is it? Does it make you stronger or does it make weak? Apparently, it, as you're getting closer to it, you become mortal. But when you're standing right next to it, you're the weird crap happening. <laughs> yes. And Superman. And fuck this movie in the face. <laughs> but yes, because of this, um, their growing proximity to the place where the source is, or where the alignment's going to be. It's so hard to even talk about because none of it makes goddamn sense. The point is Reggie dies. The Guardian kills Reggie. He doesn't cut off his head. I don't know if he does this just as an example to the others to show them, like, aha, see, I don't even have to cut your head off now. He just stabs him a bunch of times. Yeah. Slices him. Like, okay, well, he'll come back now. It's fine. And then he doesn't. He's just dead. Right. Oh, well, hold on. We did forget one thing. When in the scene in the churchyard... Did we? Uh... Yeah, well, I mean, we, it doesn't really no, matter, but, um, in the scene in the, in the cemetery, he's gonna kill Reggie, and Joe shows up with a shotgun, and tries shooting him, and that lasts, like, two seconds, he just, like, backhands Joe, and then Duncan comes in and hammer throws his sword into the Guardian's throat, which, again, that collar would have been real nice to have. Yeah, wouldn't happen if you had that collar on. <laughs> but he just, he pulls the sword out snaps it in half, so Duncan doesn't have a sword the rest of the movie. Doesn't seem like a Highlander film to me, but... Yeah, he, he stabs... has, like, two smaller, like, short swords. Yeah, and he, he stabs Joe with it and kills him. And so we have this was supposed to be touching scene where he's like, you were my best friend, Duncan, and I believe in you, and you're, this is your destiny, and... <sighs> but it's not touching, because A, not a great actor, and B... It's only touching if you watched three, four seasons of some TV show that's been off the air for eight years. Yeah. That you probably didn't give a shit about in the first place. Like, so much of this is tied into that TV show that apparently the masses were clamoring for a conclusion. Like, I have to imagine the TV show didn't get canceled abruptly. I imagine it had an ending. Uh, I, I because so. they had another spinoff after they had a spinoff after that that ran one season. I, I just I don't know who this movie is for. <laughs> it's not for Highlander fans because they're gonna fucking hate it. It's definitely yeah. for people who don't know shit about Highlander because they're not gonna know what the fuck is going on. So who? I, I have to think it's just fans of the show. That's the only people that would be watching this. Well, then, then the question becomes: Is the show this bad to you? <laughs> well, I, it wasn't. Do great. fans I of think... the show? I mean, neither of us being that. Mm. Also, do they like this movie? 
and then they also hate this movie because how could you not <laughs> if you like this movie because you like the show that tells me i don't ever need to watch i mean i wasn't planning on it anyways but <laughs> tells me i don't ever need to watch this show because if it's anything like this movie that show can fuck off you know So, yeah, so they, they we, bury Joe. Yeah. He buries him with his sword. And we have, now we have a garbage cover of Princes of the Universe. <laughs> used, not used, as in the first film, for a cool sword fight or some kind of action scene. It is used for a driving montage. There's a cool, there's a cool air quotes, shot of them sort of grouping up at the beginning of when the song first kicks off. And you're like, oh, it's Princess of the Universe. Cool. And that lasts for about four seconds. And then the rest of the montage is them driving. Yeah. While Princess but, of the Universe plays. What's supposed to be like the anthem, the cool, and it's a bad cover. It's a terrible cover. Oh. It was the original Queen version. You're wasting this song. On Nothing's happening. They're driving. They're driving. Right. It's a montage, though. quick cut montage of them driving for days. And that's what you're using your big rock anthem song for. <laughs> Can you make one decision in this movie that... <laughs> good. Uh, I will one. say, though, I, I, I'll speak up to that right now, actually, because uh, song aside, I, I did notice that this montage is a montage of scenes where they're like talking and stuff, which tells me that it's footage from the movie that they shot, which means that they montaged away probably 20 minutes of useless crap in about 30 seconds. So I'm happy for that. I mean, it's helpful that that made the movie 20 minutes shorter. Yes. <laughs> the audience could use 20 minutes of conversation between these characters so that we, A, give a shit about any of them, B, understand what the fuck they're doing. Their relations to each other. You know what I mean? Like that <laughs> groundwork you could be laying for us to get to know these characters even a little bit and care about. I suppose it's I, the idea is it's built in because you love the show so much. Don't even bother coming to the movie if you haven't seen the show. <laughs> That's not how fucking movies work. Right. You know what I mean, it's what I've always said. Always assume, as a writer, always assume, without dumbing things down or speaking down to your audience, always assume that the audience doesn't know what you're talking about. Or not that they don't know what you're talking about, but pretend this is, it's the biggest problem I had with Passion of the Christ, which I think is a shitty movie. But, I mean, it's a shitty movie because it's three hours of torture porn, but the reason it's three hours of torture porn is because you are assuming on a fundamental level that I'm coming into this movie knowing everything about Jesus and that's why I should be more sad that this guy's dying than the two guys hanging next to him. Right. Well, it's true. I do know all this stuff about Jesus. I was, we were raised Baptist. I'm not anymore. But assume as a filmmaker that I live, I just came out of a cape I've lived in a cave for the last, my entire life. This is the first movie I'm seeing. Do not assume that I know the story of Jesus. Because in that movie, other than a couple little flashbacks that don't do anything for me, you've given me no reason to understand why I should 
care more about what's happening to Jesus than anyone else. We don't understand why he's special. And it's the same as this. That's a weird comparison. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, don't assume you have to give me something. Don't assume that I've watched five seasons of your shitty TV show. Well, and, and they also, they mishandle new characters. Like, Anna, the her whole connection to Duncan is explained <clears throat> in little f- snippets of flashbacks that, that he has while he's driving. And it's so brief and so, like, just thrown together. But yeah, I, I feel like <clears throat> maybe we could have taken a few minutes to have a conversation where somebody talks about their relationship. Well, here's this woman he had a whole ass marriage with, apparently, that we never saw yeah. because she wasn't in any other material. And all we get from the flashbacks, which is just them in front of a bright white background, <laughs> visually stunning, um, is the reason that they aren't together anymore. Like, uh, all of those flashbacks amount to, I want a child, you can't name the child. So it doesn't matter if we love each other. Right. And him being worried that, like, oh, you know, you will grow old and I won't. Or she's worried about, I don't know. The same old immortal biz you've heard before. Um, yeah, so driving montage, wasting the song. More cannibals. Now they're mm-hmm. in the woods, and they come up to a vehicle blockade, so they can't drive any further through the woods. Um, and it's a trap set by more cannibal. What happens if you eat an immortal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're chunks you get of a little grow back hunt- and oh, oh, see, I wasn't even thinking of that angle. I was thinking of like what happens to you if you ingest immortal. Oh. I'm probably going to become immortal because you're not. <laughs> you're if, bar-bom, if, bar-bom. Mortal, if a mortal cuts an immortal's head off, do they get something special? I don't think so. See, no. the rules are. Really... <laughs> <laughs> that only seems fair. <sighs> yeah, I was yeah. thinking more of a of as far because they again they don't have the healing factor. So if you cut off an immortal's legs, eat them, and they bleed to death then what happens? Do their legs spring out of your stomach and kill you to join or do they grow <laughs> leg? We know they don't regenerate, so do they just well, the life but now they don't have legs? I mean, they do to a degree, because like bullet holes close up and things like that. It's very the yeah, yeah the, but it's, it's like very body. As but it's instantaneous. It's not like you see, you know, it's not Deadpool where your hand's growing back really slowly. Right. Yeah, and you wake up and it's like nothing even happened. So if right. your arm cut off, would it just poof pop back in like into existence? <laughs> we never saw that, so we don't know. No. For all of the attempts at world building, we really have no information on what's happening. <clears throat> the basic I, principles of how this is supposed to work. I did find something pretty unintentionally funny to laugh at at this scene. Where they, they pull up to the barricade and they're like, well, we better be careful. They get out. They start cutting the guy down. And the cannibals show up and start chasing him. Duncan cuts the rope holding the guy's one hand. His other arm is still tied up. He, like, swings loose. 
of the barricade, and then he disappears. He's just gone. Yeah. <laughs> and they're they're running through the woods, but the the bait guy just disappears. He's nowhere to be seen. Well, and do these cannibals know who they're messing with or not? Because they're just using like crossbows. I don't think so. Well, they're shooting like arrows at them, which aren't going to do much. But then the way this fight ends is they shoot them with tranquilizers. Yeah, but I mean they're close to the source now, so they are they they're mortal. They don't heal or anything. So they That's true. they're very close to the source. So these cannibals just happen to be they're not like sent by the source as they're no cannibals no. who happened upon these immortals, not knowing who they are, plan right. to eat them and bit off more than they could chew, literally. <laughs> but they... But also, so that cop had a gun. The security guard had a gun. None of these people have guns. It's very convenient that every all of these cannibals at Cannibal Island and in Cannibal Woods just have swords. So that you can have sword fights. None of these people have guns. Right. Except tranquilizer crossbows. Like... <laughs> Where did all the guns go? Yeah, so they, they capture them. Dumb. They haul them back to their camp, tie them up to be eaten later, I guess. And uh, the Guardian shows up and takes Anna because he, he knows who she is, apparently. He's like, he's like, the source is calling to you. He cuts her down and he takes her away, leaves the rest of them tied up. And I'm trying to remember exactly how it happens. The a fire they, they, falls over and it burns oh. the boats that are holding Giovanni. So Giovanni gets free, and instead of cutting them free, is like peace out. I'm gonna. There can be only one, and it's gonna be me because of Jesus' right. reasons. <laughs> so he chases after, and I don't understand why. What does the Guardian know about Anna? What is Anna's... Because he could just kill her, but he doesn't. He's going to take her to the source. But for what? Again, yeah, they don't explain what that person that's chosen to go to the source is going to do or what's going to happen to them. Who's like the, not an immortal. Right. The Her and the woman from the first time that they flash back to... They never explain what that person is there to do or what's going to happen to them. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> well, I mean, but yeah. yeah, we'll come back to that. I'm going to pause for a second, run to the bathroom. Okay. So we'll be right back. Um, yeah. So, Giovanni's following them into the woods. Does he kill Giovanni? Yeah, he must. He does, yeah. He's just waiting. Well, there's a bit before that, but yeah, Duncan and Mythos wind up escaping anyway. They're just a little behind him. So they, they take off through the woods. The cannibals start chasing them, and they catch up to where Giovanni is. They, they're hiding, Mythos and Connor, and the cannibals catch Giovanni, and Duncan's like, Mathos is like, well, just leave him. He's like, no, I can't. So he goes in and saves Giovanni. And then 
Giovanni runs off again on his own, completely ungrateful. And Mathos is like, I'm going to lead the cannibals away. So he gets on a horse and they chase him. And then Giovanni runs into the Guardian. And the Guardian's like, oh, hey, look, you made it here. Here's your prize. And, like, kills him. And <laughs> so, yeah. Then we get... Methos running off. We're now left with just Duncan to face the Guardian. Um, at the source, the planetary alignment is happening which is the planets are so huge in the sky as if they're all, as if the planets here, the planets aligning means that they all squish together. They're very close to each other and they're ripping each other's orbits apart. Right. <laughs> With, and, and it starts happening so fast. Like it, for the last four days, it's just kind of been meandering across the sky and they get there and it's just like, whoosh, they start flying together. Well, once like they, they get once they get in each other's gravity wells, they just oh. <laughs> like a slinky slapping back into place. And that wouldn't cause any, you know, disruptions of the tide, at least, or anything. <laughs> like, um, yeah, it's a real. And again, and it all looks like garbage. It's yeah, the most There's a... lame computer attempts. And then we have the big fight between Duncan and the Guardian where it like he walks into the circle of light where all this is happening and suddenly he can move super fast. He does this like weird little ballerina twirl with his knives and he's like, Whoa, I'm fast. And then they start fighting. And Duncan does like a Bugs Bunny run around him really fast and drill him into the ground thing. It's the whole again, the whole fight is like speed ramped up. It's, it all looks so, so bad. So, so bad. <laughs> and, yeah, he does like a, like, didn't Superman do something to this, like this to Nuclear Man in Superman? Or did he pound him? I guess we're on the moon and he pounds him in. But I was picturing him. Like, it's like when Superman spins and drills down through the ground. Yes, that's exactly what it looked like. That's what Duncan does, except, except not as good as a movie that was made in 1977 or whenever. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he kind of, he, somehow he grabs the Guardians or whatever and spins him, spins him so hard that he drills down into the ground until there's just his head sticking out of the ground. And it's so cartoonish, so stupid. And it's, I mean... Come on, <laughs> I don't even know. and other adjectives as well. I can't even. <laughs> yeah, and then so dumb. We get the the reveal of what the test is. The the guardian's like, well, just do it then, kill me. And he's like, no, I'm done with this crap. I'm not killing anymore, which kills him. Like he <laughs> he refuses to kill him, so he dies. Yeah. He and like again, explodes. What is the source and what is its goal? Because the entire <laughs> It's been drilled into these immortals since the dawn of time or 15th century Scotland, whenever they... Because how are immortals? 
That's the thing. They didn't all just spring up at the same time from the radiation. Some of them came along later. Yeah. Like Christopher Lambert in the first one becomes a Highlander in that movie. I don't remember the specifics of it. But and then Sean Connery comes as an older immortal to like mentor him. Anyway. But so the source or the prize has been telling these immortals and driving these immortals all this time to kill each other until this moment where it's like, ah, the answer is to not cut his head off. That's the test. So what is, what was all of that before? <laughs> Avoided cutting anyone's head off all this time. And don't tell me there's only one because there's two of us right now. <laughs> he was off in the woods being chased by cannibals. So I'm still not the only one. Right. And presumably there's other ones. God. None of it yeah. any sense. It's so dumb. I keep saying that, but I can't. That's it. And so... Is, now we find out what the gift is. Because right. it's been absorbed into the source light and she comes out of it. And the gift is... Again, I very much question the motives of the source and what this is for. Is that now, presumably, her body has been transformed to be able to accept. Because it doesn't change. Duncan doesn't go into light. So Duncan is not changed. She has gone into light. She has changed. So the gift right. that now he's fertile, the gift is, apparently, that now her body can accept immortal sperm. And they can have a kid. Yes. That's what this prophecy was for all the time? That's what she's been hearing? Yeah, and because it's not even... <laughs> it's not even given to us in, like, a... In a decent scene. It's, once again, like, a... A montage voiceover thing where she explains over shots of other things. The gift was that we were given this child. It's a gift to us and the world. And it's it's just one of those slapped together, rushed, explain away endings. It doesn't really get its own scene. It's just like, and we're now explaining what happened. Yeah, that's not a prize for the world. That's a prize for the two of you exclusively. Right. And unless your child, and they don't say this, unless your child is like the new messiah or something. But because... Newsflash, the world is still fucked. <laughs> right. What done here, and your impending pregnancy does not change the fact that there is no law and all is chaos. Like, Bulgaria is still burning to the ground where you left it. <laughs> like, this has not helped the world whatsoever. So you're now raising a child in an apocalypse. Right. What has been gained? <laughs> what was any of this for? And the finale of your movie is a, is a flashback to other scenes from this movie. Right, yeah. While she's there... doing that explaining, and it's the last thing we see in the movie, is a montage cut together of other scenes from this movie that we just sat through. Yeah. I mean... Going back and showing all the times that Duncan was, like, selfless and... <clears throat> save somebody where he could have killed somebody and stuff like that so he deserved the gift or whatever I... 
or whatever should be line on the poster for this movie. <laughs> I enter the source, and then down at the bottom it says or whatever. <laughs> and then roll credits, and then we have another shitty cover of a Queen song. And and it's such a monumental waste of my. Right, and I do here. I want to talk more about the music because I I made notes about it. Because not only are there two horrible, blasphemous covers of songs from the original soundtrack, but the rest of the soundtrack and every scene that apparently needed music is bad rock, and it's songs written about the situation that's happening in the movie. Which much like it, it's a montage. This is the month, you know, like. <laughs> but it's very much. Yeah, it's like there's a there's a singer just off camera, who's riff tracksing the movie that you're watching via song. Right, and and I I even looked it up. I don't know why I did, but because I was watching the credits and I noticed I recognized the name. And it turns out one of the songs was written by the guy that plays Joe. And another one of the songs... That is, tracks is hard. <laughs> another one of the songs is written by the guy that wrote the screenplay. And so... Also tracks hard. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so there you have it. Highlander the Source. And I don't even want to say... I can, I can absolutely say the worst movie we've watched for this podcast so far. I was about to say, surely the worst movie we will ever watch for this one. <laughs> but I thought that last week, and each and every week could be a new surprise. So I'm not going to go out on that limb and say that yet. But I take something real special to dethrone this, because this is an absolute just wreck. There's yeah. no reason and to watch this movie. I was going to, not like, unless you're a huge Highlander fan. No, especially if you're a huge Highlander fan, <laughs> watch this fucking movie because it's just going to piss you off. Right. It's an hour and a half right. of your life that could be spent better doing literally anything. I will say that. It was blessedly only an hour and 25 minutes. Yes. At least, <laughs> at least there's that. But. Yeah, my impression of it is it's it's a mess. The special effects are things you could have seen 20 years ago. And the the worst villain in a Highlander movie performance-wise, and that's saying something. Well, it's kind of you to to include the phrase from a Highlander movie in that. <laughs> Honest to God, I mean, let's think about movies in totality <laughs> top top five worst villain I mean easily I'm sure there's got to be the worst one out there but from the look to the performance to the dialogue to the what even is the plot here what is your purpose what are your goal like all of these things together I'm sure there's a worse movie villain out there but none are springing to mind without doing any research right <laughs> So, yeah, complete and total mess, and I'm happy to put it in the review and never speak of it again. Let's do that. Let's do that. While we're doing <laughs> that, 
let's push the button and find out what I'm watching next week. The magic button that will find a random movie from everything that's streaming. Here we go. It is... Welcome to Paradise. This appears to be, and it had to happen sooner or later, a Christian film. Oh. Known for their... I mean, is there is there a good Christian film? It's an honest question. Past... Let's say the Jesus of Nazareth TV miniseries. Pretty, that's pretty quality, you know. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Is there a good Christian? I don't think so. No, no. Because as we are, as already coincidentally discussed in this episode, Passion of the Christ is not for me. And all other Christian movies are amateurish, dangerously stupid films. You know. <laughs> So, yeah, I guess it's just a matter of how dangerously stupid this movie will be, how racist, how homophobic, how anti-science and anti-medicine and all of that. Yeah, Welcome to Paradise. It's from 2000 and... Uh, I'll have to find that out. It stars Crystal Bernard from Wings. Oh, there's a shock. <laughs> what is it? I said there's a shock. But also, okay, but also, uh, Jim O'Hare from Parks and Rec. Oh. Ken Jenkins from Scrubs. Hmm. Um, uh, what's the name? The lady that played the Sparkle Motion mom in Donnie Darko. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's some people in here. There's, like, some decent character act. This is interesting. I'm sure it's going to suck, but. <laughs> huh. Yeah, Welcome to Paradise. It's on Amazon Prime. Looks like there's a couple, there's two different Welcome to Paradise. One's with Shelley Long from like mid-90s. It's not that one. It's the one from 2000-something. Um, yeah, with Crystal Bernard. Welcome to Paradise. It's a Christian film. Should be interesting. And uh, that'll be the movie for next week. That'll do it for this week. Rate, review, subscribe. Um, anything else to say? Nope. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on again. I really, I really, honestly enjoyed doing this episode, if not watching the movie. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes, talking about the movie much more fun than watching. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that will do it. I'm not gonna bother with all the Twitter stuff. Nobody's paying attention. <laughs> Whatever. I'll give it a pass this week. Um, yeah, so that's it for this week. Welcome to Paradise next week. And uh, that'll do it. Everybody, this episode feels really amateurish. <laughs> I feel like I'm off my game this week. Maybe this movie just wore me out. I don't know. I'll do better next week. No, this was fun. It was good. Bye, everybody. Face the Guardian. Yeah, face the Guardian.